Welcome to Off the Cuff with Congressman Jared Huffman. As a representative for California's 2nd Congressional District, Off the Cuff is my opportunity to talk with you about important issues and to introduce you to interesting people from the 2nd District and beyond. I always say that I'm fortunate to represent America's most beautiful congressional district, California's great North Coast, from the Golden Gate Bridge to the Oregon border. And together, with positive discussions and open dialogue, I know we can make our community an even better place to call home. It's unfiltered, it's direct, and it's honest. It's Off the Cuff with me, Congressman Jared Huffman. In this week's episode of Off the Cuff, I have a wonderful special guest. Uh, It's America's doctor, Dr. Dean Adele. Before there was Dr. Oz and Sanjay Gupta, we had Dr. Dean. And so for all of my listeners who uh, remember him from NBC television or his many, many years of a radio show that included millions of listeners in 200 markets, uh, Dr. Dean will be familiar to them. He is an ophthalmologist and a surgeon. But uh, what many of my constituents may not know is he's also one of my constituents in the 2nd Congressional District. Uh, He and his wife, Sharon, live in beautiful Branscombe, which is... uh, a, a beautiful but remote part of Mendocino County. Dr. Dean, welcome to Off the Cuff. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you very much for the kind the kind words. I wanted to see how you were going to describe where in the hell we live. It's <laughs> <was> pretty good. <laughs> it, it's off the beaten path, isn't it? It is off the beaten path. And, you know, I was raised in Manhattan originally, so this has been a long, long road um, to where we live, and I absolutely love it. I've become one of those rural people. I'm not an angry white guy yet, but I understand a lot of the issues that... Uh, that rural people have. So um, this could be a fun conversation. You bet. Well, I want to talk about some of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. But since we're on the subject, why don't you tell us how the heck you got from Manhattan to uh, rural, remote, beautiful Mendocino County? Yes. Well, it was easy. I actually came out to California to get out of New York for my internship. And UC San Diego had just begun a brand new hospital, brand new medical school. And of course, I'd never seen anything like this, you know, palm trees and oceans and backyards. You know, people out here have backyards. So I I stayed and found Branscombe. Um, I practiced for a very short time in clinical medicine and um, hit the road. I just wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life and just wandered into this valley and uh, lived here when uh, the radio opportunity and TV happened, out of the blue, random. I mean, life is so so many times it's luck. And uh, moved back down to uh, San Francisco in the Bay Area where uh, where we lived, but never forgot this place. And, Mm. I, you know, we just pledged as soon. This is where I uh, actually met Sharon. Yeah. And we pledged as soon as we got in a position, i.e. retirement, uh, we'd move back up here. And this is what we've done, and we absolutely love it. Wonderful. We're, we're glad you're there. And uh, let's talk a little bit about health care, uh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, you are now in one of the more rural parts of my district. And I am finding, as I go around my district, that there are very special uh, problems associated with uh, access, cost, uh, recruitment, and retention of providers in rural areas. What, what's your experience been, and, and do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, well, I do, and they're and they're kind of personal. I'm not a guy who ever liked doctors. You know, I really didn't ever have a doctor until fairly recently. And at my age, of course, you know, don't you know, do as I say, not as I do. And 
um, in talking to local physicians, you know, first of all, we're not replacing ourselves up here. We are sorely in need of health care, and older doctors are retiring, and younger doctors are just not, not coming near the place. And it's starting to create an issue. Uh, we have to drive hours to see a primary care um, mm-hmm. physician. And we have wonderful committed physicians, and we have a couple of great facilities, new ones. The coast is a little different, and uh, mm-hmm. we are inland. Um, and so it looks modern, and there are companies that are, have come in here and built us you know, facilities to be proud of. But the backbone, namely the physicians, you know, they're hurting. It's getting very, very difficult. I, I you know, I swear. Well, your, your congressman has noticed the same thing. I've seen a lot. Of, I've done a lot of ribbon cuttings at, at wonderful clinics. Yep. Uh, the Affordable Care Act has helped fund uh, some expansion of that yep. part of our health safety net, but uh, they can't get staff. And, and the staffing, it's 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 tough. It is tough. And I, you know, I'm one. I guess we should establish the baseline here. I believe health care. Uh, is a right. And as a physician, there is just nothing more horrible than seeing someone, for instance, in the past who had a disease and couldn't get insurance. And of course, that's a major, has been a major cause of bankruptcies in our country. And it's just tragic to see it. It's nobody's fault. That's the thing that really gets to me. This is the kind of a thing that I used to feel that it was hard to communicate this to people because at any given time, most people are not sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they don't feel this is a very compelling issue and don't understand how this could affect them. And when, you know, some members, you know, in Congress think they're just going to wipe this out and uh, send 20, 30 million people back out without health care and uh, think they're going to figure out a way to cover people with pre-existing conditions without a mandate, yeah. I think it's terribly naive. I, I want to ask I, you about that. But before we move on from the yeah. rural challenges, though, do you have any ideas on how we could... Uh, create some incentives to bring health care providers into rural areas? Because, you know, as as you and Sharon know, the quality of life is actually quite good in, in rural areas. There's a lot to be said for life in uh, the middle of Mendocino County. But the economics are challenging. Uh, and yeah. when you're carrying a lot of student debt out of med school, that probably only adds to it. What what is? Do you have any thoughts about it? Yes, I do. Um, I've managed to, uh, any physician I meet in the, in the community, I ask them how, how they wound up here. Um, I had a back issue recently, and I had a neurosurgeon look at my back. It was real hard for me to do that, but he would drive up from San Francisco uh, a couple of times a month and use another physician's space, and Mm -hmm. he said, you know, I really like it up here. I like it because in San Francisco, everybody questions what I do. Everybody's got some herb or something like that they're going to treat their problems with. We're here in the country. Practice is great because people listen to you. Uh, the issues of compliance are almost non-existent. People, you prescribe a medication for them, um, they will take it. So it's an attractive place to live. We love our physicians up here. They are honored. They are treated well. Now, income-wise, that's another issue. But I would counter with this is a heck of a lot cheaper to live here. You know, there, once upon a time, um, you could get medical school covered. You know, if you committed to working in a rural area, and right. I think we need to activate a program where we say to young medical students who are looking, I have a daughter-in-law just finished school. She's just coming out and practice now. I mean, uh, she's got a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt. That is not how you, you know, develop your humanistic tendencies when you go into practice. So as quickly as possible, you want to make up and pay off that debt and have a house and have all the goodies that everyone else has who did not go, you know, who are your age and didn't go to medical school. So I think building in an incentive program 
you know, that defines what it's like to practice in the country and help out young young medical mm-hmm. students to get through school, I think would do a tremendous service. And the military does things like that. It's a great um, idea. We're actually looking at some, some legislation to promote service across a whole range of areas, and that's absolutely one of the ones we want to uh, focus on, especially for these young folks. Doctors, uh, I, I think you would agree, they're not the biggest part of the pie in terms of where the money goes in health care. We definitely need uh, some regulation and need to come to terms with the cost of medicine and develop yeah. a consistent a consistent rule book on how we can do that. But we live in a world where people walk into your office, they want every test known to mankind. Right. They want all the tests. they got a headache and they want the MRIs, they want the <laughs> this, they want the that. And a lot of doctors... Well, we've got a system that, that churns them through in, in many ways yep. as well. Because exactly. people are making, making a buck at every turn. What do you no, think is the not... biggest problem right now uh, yep. in health care? Is that it? Is it is it this uh, procedure-based incentive model that is driving yeah. costs and, and not necessarily? Costs are critical, and as you know, we spend twice as much as any other major Western uh, 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 country, and we don't get the goodies. We are probably the best when it comes to the super high-tech, fancy stuff. We are nowhere close when it comes to preventive medicine and making primary care available to our our population. You know, as, as you know, controlling costs, it can be done. Doctors can be compensated fairly. We have an issue that doesn't get talked about a lot, is that if you do procedures, you make all the money. A brilliant internist or pediatrician that makes a fantastic diagnosis on your child or you that saves your life, you know, they get the 15 bucks for the office visit. Uh, they are not uh, compensated, I think, fairly to induce doctors to want to go into primary care. So you have this big divide, and I've witnessed this. People want to do the dermatology. I mean, I'm I'm an example of that. I have to tell you, Jared, that I just saw medicine as being a horrific lifestyle back then. And so I chose something that, um, you know, with no night call, no weekends, you know, none of the blood. And I have a lot of friends that ran from... The uh, to from the specialties in medicine that we need more of, and this is uh, and where we have too many specialists at this particular mm-hmm. point. And I uh, I remember uh, having Hillary on my show once in the first round uh, when she tackled health care when she was first lady, and um, you know she was big on this. We got too many specialists. We need a bunch of primary care doctors, and we had an interesting conversation about what we need specialists so to develop the fantastic technologies that the primary care doctors can administer. So there's a balance there. I'm not Mm -hmm. blaming all specialists. I was one myself. But we need the balance between doing procedures to make a lot of money and run up the cost, and they're unnecessary, and uh, it's not within the standards of practice, you know, to encourage primary care. Um, And, of course, the big one is make it accessible to everybody, and that seems to be this. I think we're entering a great chaotic period. You know more about than I do. But well, I'm, I'm dealing with the, the political side of that. Um, oh I, I would love to invite you to comment on uh, the, the debate that is forming here in Washington. We've known that Republicans have gotten their base excited about this promise to repeal the Affordable Care Act. They've never really uh, had much detail on what they would hope to replace it with, and now we're hearing all sorts of, uh, I, I guess, uh, implausible promises that they're going to replace it with something that still covers everybody, that's cheaper, and that uh, uh, you know keeps all the popular pieces of the ACA. Can can they do that? No, I, I absolutely am happy to hear. Uh, obviously, you know, you you understand this. It's impossible without 
I mean, the insurance companies, just to stay in the game, I mean, they've said it loud and clear, you've got to find a way to encourage young and healthy people to sign up. Encourage. You don't encourage them unless there's a mandate, and you need those people signing up. You need people who, you know, don't get a lot of, <laughs> into a lot of accidents to, you know, make the numbers work with automobile insurance. And I just don't see a way that they can, you can make this work without, yeah. um, without, without a mandate. If you don't have the young, healthy people in the risk pool, then the exactly. older, more expensive people just crush the risk pool and the economics they, they fail. And, of course, we can do things to balance, you know, costs, et cetera. I mean, there's a lot of... I mean, you look at, I mean, uh, I think a, uh, a good place to look is how Kaiser handles it, you know, where they have the, they have the, uh, the, you know, the nurse who talks to you first and decides whether you really need to come into the ER. You mm-hmm. have, a, a, you know, a lot of procedures that they provide great care, um, and they do it in a, you know, in a, in a relatively cost-effective uh, effective way. So, yes, there are little things we need to do institutionally. Um, to keep the costs down and to educate people and help them know when they need to come to the doctor. Right now, it's open season. You know, 3 o'clock in the morning, you want to go to the ER because your child has a cold because you've got to go to work tomorrow. You know, these things um, burden, burden the system. They burden it terribly. But I, would, I can't wait to see what Republicans come up with. What sounds uh, like it's some combination, and I, I had a feeling this is where they would sort of devolve to after all their promises uh, didn't pan out. But it sounds like it's a combination of health savings accounts and some aggressive tax credits to, to put some dollars into those savings accounts and uh, catastrophic plans. Uh, and then for people with pre-existing condition, uh, some type of high-risk pool. Now, I'm sure you have run into all of these things, but yeah. you know, my experience has been these high-risk pools don't do a very good job. They're hugely expensive. Sometimes people can't even get into them. And uh, the health savings account, you know, I've, I've tried that with my own family. It's hard to manage, and it's often uh, not that great a deal. Yes, of course. And if you, I mean... We've tried all those things in one form or another, and I, my instinct is if, you know, they they worked, you know, we would have embraced them, you know, and, and, and included them. I, I worry about this hodgepodge, you know, this mix mix of things, and, you know, each one of those deals is not going to help somebody, you know, living on the margin. You can give tax breaks to people, but you got to have income, to, you know, for the tax breaks and the and the the real um, you know the real problem is the funding for low income folks and where that's going to and where that's going to uh, going to come from you know there um, this is going to be interesting but i'm afraid it's going to be painful process and it's not going to be um, not going to be smooth and i guess at least I, I guess i should be thankful to hear republicans say they even get behind the idea of providing health care <laughs> you know, for people there was a point in time where that well they only say that because they have to and then there's a little yeah. asterisk by health care and uh, yeah. you have to read the fine print i think so i uh, know i know I, I i mean catastrophic care is important because that's what wipes people out and i'm always if i have always to pick something because between you and me, when most people go to a doctor, they really don't need to go. And that's kind of the unwritten code here, is that most people, if they talk to someone, I mean, I did this for a living, you know, I talked to people on the phone on my radio show, and it's amazing how much progress I could make in getting them understand their condition, why they may not need to see, you know, you know to see a physician yeah. for that little bump or, or that little pain or ache. Um, so it becomes, um, you know, uh, a very, very important 
and having a populace that understands understands all this and have a system uh, that at least at least you know covers people getting totally and completely you know wiped out. Where would you take health care in this country, uh, Dr. Dean? Would you go uh, to, to my ultimate uh, aspiration for health care to single payer, or do you have other ideas? I have to say I grew up with that. It was a bad word, mm-hmm. and I have come around. I've come around, and that's where I am. It's the only way that I see we can do it fairly equitably, control costs, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And you know what's amazing to me? is the number of physicians that would be on board for that um, because there was resistance uh, back then and you will find resistance based upon the different specialties and that's really the problem i um i mean it is chaotic right now i mean uh president obama i guess made a decision to keep the insurance companies involved and uh that seemed like an easier way to go at that particular time and i i can see that we need them but i wonder what i don't know i'm not smart enough to understand if we can um, have a single-payer option as well. I mean, in England, they have private care. Right, the supplemental insurance, yeah. You know, it's, um, I, 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 just, I just think it would be so much. Mm-hmm. I really, really do, and I think it would be cost-effective. Right now, we have so many loopholes, and it's so easy for the system to be abused, even implemented as it is currently, and we see that with, you know, how costs are way up in some states and some places. It's crazy when you look. Listen, when you have appendicitis, that's the same in New York or or rural Texas or anywhere. It's the same disease, and when you see the costs involved of treating these diseases in different places vary by one, two, and three-fold, yeah. Something's wrong. That's right. And to the to the point of rural health care we were discussing earlier, mm-hmm. uh, I guess the, the politically expedient or necessary compromise that was struck with the ACA, we, you know, we can understand it. Mm-hmm. But relying on private insurance markets and competition in rural areas where the economics uh, are just very difficult hasn't gotten us very far. We have only one or two carriers in, in the rural areas that I represent. Uh, whereas yep. if there were a single-payer system, uh, yep. I would think providers would maybe be a little uh, more open to setting up shop in rural areas. Yes, and I fear I fear that can get worse. Yeah. I mean, they're not obligated to be here. Well, uh, let's talk uh, about something that is very, uh, very much a part of your home, Mendocino County. Let's talk about cannabis. <laughs> I, I got to say, I, you know, when I follow you and I see in the papers and, you know, I keep track of you, I must say I admire, I admire how you've rolled up your sleeves and dug into some issues that are very unique to this, uh, to this area and that you're not afraid of tackling them. Yes, it's a huge issue. For we, us. we have to tackle it if, if we're going to be uh, honest about uh, the economy, the environment, other aspects of this. But look, you've been out front for a long time. Uh, you have yep. advocated for medical uses of cannabis. What do you think about the current state of uh, marijuana legalization and yep. uh, the broader debate we're having? Yes, I'll tell you, I am, I'm humbled by the complexity of it. I certainly am not, I'm not afraid to point the finger uh, to a very, very stubborn federal government who just wouldn't listen to reason on this, and this is where this mess has come from. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be dealing with this. There would be cannabis pills made by pharmaceutical companies and solves, and all these things would exist. To have this bifurcated system is crazy. But what, what came down for us 
is a need for control and, reg- and regulation, and the environment was a big, big issue because uh, we, we, we live in the middle of it, and, you know, you see things that just break your heart. You know, creeks just sucked up out of the water and tops of hills just leveled, and, of course, uh, people coming into the community and out of the community with the season mm-hmm. that are not a part of the community, not contributing to the community tax-wise, uh, you know, et cetera. So we are totally for... Well, put it this way, it's easy to be against what was, the drug war that was just a disaster. Right. Just a disaster. Um, and now I'm trying to keep track of what's going on in Sonoma County and uh, also up here and up in Humboldt County. As you know, each county is doing a little mm-hmm. bit of a different thing. And there uh, was a prop on our ballot, as you know, I'm so glad it got defeated, that would have just let, you know, let the growing industry have their way with us, that we're at least looking at careful... Uh, regulation on a par with wineries or mm-hmm. growing corn. Any agricultural system needs certain regulations. Water is an issue, land is an issue, etc. So I am hopeful, but I think it's going to be... It hasn't been that horrible in um, Colorado and Washington um, in the transition, but this is different because this is where it comes from. Yeah. And this is very important uh, uh, part of the lifestyle up here. So I'm I'm for the trend and for legalization, obviously. And I, I just think there's a lot of things that nobody is thinking about that's going to come up um, that we're going to learn, have to yeah. learn as it goes. There's nothing like this. There's no economy like this in the world. This is it's a huge economy. People may not understand that in in a place like Mendocino, Humboldt, Trinity yeah. County, it's it's the biggest part of the economy, and it's all underground. It is. It, it surely is. And we got hit bad when logging, you know, went under. And um, and this is, uh, uh, you know, sustaining the economy, but not in an appropriate, mm-hmm. proper, a proper way. And it will, it will in the future, I think. But you know, we have big questions. There's nothing here, other than maybe the expertise of growers. That means you have to grow cannabis here. I mean, you. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you know. You know. Big cannabis is going to look at just going out into the valley and you know buying acreage and doing it on nice flat land and not on these cliff sides up here that um, you know that we deal with. I, I, I wish I could predict the future. I, yeah. I, I can't. I just don't know. If well, stay time. tuned. It, it's going to be one of the more interesting issues yeah. to follow in in this political climate. Oh, um, there are things that really you know. I look at uh, junk. Uh, you know, my battles during my career, and I see you know appointing Kennedy the head of a investigating vaccine safety. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Oh my God, it is so upsetting. I don't quite understand it. We understand Mr. Trump does not understand science, so that's a given. Yeah. But the people around him do, and this vaccine thing, it comes down interpreting <laughs> medical data is so difficult, and it's so easy to fall for the. You know, the tragedies and the, 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 the issue that, oh, I got my child vaccinated and now my child is sick. You know, yeah. causation uh, versus correlation is difficult for most people to grasp. The vaccines do not cause autism. And I don't know what it will take. And we've done studies where you give people the correct information, concerned parents, and after they get the correct information, they are more likely to not vaccinate their children. So it becomes a communications issue. We have to right. learn how to communicate these things. We've done a lousy job of it. And this. what you've described tracks almost exactly with the political phenomenon we saw in this last election cycle, where when confronted with Trump's lies, inconsistencies, and conspiracy theories, his supporters just doubled down. Yep, I know that. I, 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 just, I, I, I deal with it um, uh, personally. 
I, you know, I see uh, when I when I when I talk to people, I I I mean, I'm I'm in disbelief at times when I hear the things that, that people say, and then watching this election where simple, listen, simple facts don't seem to connect. Um, it's kind of it's kind of frightening, and I you know I look at the issue with the vaccines, and it used to be about mercury, and the same group of folks, no concern about mercury and power plants and all that, but the mercury that was not even in the vaccines at that point, it had been yeah. taken out, you know that became this concern, and then this correlation, supposed correlation uh, with autism. Just well, people are desperate to understand uh, the cause. I, I run into it all the time. Uh, with you know parents who I I absolutely empathize with, I've got a child on the spectrum. Uh, but what what are the what are the dangers of uh, distorted medical theories like this? So you've been on this issue for many many years. Yeah. You you talked about unproven yeah. schemes like diet pills and anti science groups. Uh, yeah. What what are the dangers to our healthcare system and to our politics from this kind yeah. of Dangers are, of course, that people die. I had one year where I lost three friends. One had all of them with curable uh, cancers, and each one of them went to something alternative. And then when they found it wasn't working, then they said, "Okay, now I'll go see an oncologist." And in the end, um, it was it was it was too too late for them. Vaccines is a particularly tricky issue because we need people because the vaccines aren't perfect. I'm afraid to even say that because people take that information in the mm-hmm. wrong way. But vaccines are not perfect, but you need to have, it's called herd immunity, you need to have everybody vaccinated so that that child is not going to be, expo- who's vaccinated is not going to be exposed to, say, whooping cough, which they can even get if they're vaccinated. It's less likely, of course. And then you have these issues where, hey, my child's in school, my child's vaccinated, but my kid caught uh, whooping cough from your child who's not vaccinated. There's liabilities issues here that have not yet been not yet been tested. And this whole idea of abandoning, we have worked so hard for thousands of years to get ourselves to this position where we all love the miracles of modern technology. I like to say to people, you see that cell phone in your hand, that is a result of scientific thinking. Uh, you know, you, you could not create that cell. There's no alternative cell phone. There's no alternative medical way of preventing the scourges of the yeah. of the past. And the problem today is so many people have never seen a case of whooping cough. They've, they have no idea what they're missing. Let me you know, take you on a little tangent, if I will, because yes, your common please. connection in Mendocino County with another friend of mine, Wavy Gravy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know Wavy. <laughs> you know, Wavy's got Camp Winter Rainbow just up the road from yep. you. And uh, there was a time back in the early, I believe it was the early 1970s, when uh, Wavy took a bus trip across India and the Himalayas and took with him this this Bay Area radical doctor named Larry Brilliant. I wondered oh, if, if you'd ever... Mind. I didn't know you knew him. Well, I, I just, I'm finishing his book. It's called Sometimes Brilliant, and I'm really enjoying it. But he right. talks about... Um, this odyssey that he took with Wavy that ultimately led him to work for the World Health Organization to finally eradicate smallpox from the world. Yep. And he talks about running into the same kind of resistance, religious, other bases of resistance to vaccination in India and how they overcame it. I was just curious if you knew Dr. Brilliant. And Yes, I know Larry very well. And he was one among the last people to ever see a live case of smallpox. And you imagine vanquishing an enemy that is so small you can't even see it in a regular microscope. Mm-hmm. So invisible, so insidious. It is one of the great triumphs of modern science. 
and yet, as you say, and this has happened in, um, especially in the East, um, <clears throat> that people resist for religious reasons, for superstition, for all kinds of reasons. I remember my first day coming across this in the, on a Phil Donahue show, and he hmm. had some actress on there advising everybody. And this is where the news media has to take some responsibility. Not like it is today, of course, but they, in those days, did a lousy job of sorting this thing out. And, and this actress is you know, telling people, you know, you should not vaccinate your children. It's a foreign chemical you're putting in their body and blah, 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 blah. And that was such a motivator for me back then in terms of, you know, pursuing my career to try to fight back on this, which has not been easy. But, you know, the media has to take uh, a place, a role in this in terms of this is exciting news. This is the kind of stuff people want to hear. They don't want to hear, hey, a plane took off today and it landed safely. They want to hear, they don't want to hear that vaccines prevent so many thousands of deaths that it's ridiculous to even consider. They want to hear and see that poor child on the, on the stage with the parent, you know, bemoaning what has happened to them. That counts, that sticks in their brains. And it's the emotional reaction, not the objective reaction, intellectual reaction to these things that defeats us because emotions will always win. And, you know, that's what's happened. I see that as a root of what the, the current election, you know, people's emotions. People yeah. are angry. When you talk to them, they have no idea that the things that they're angry about might not get fixed. It's not so easy. Do you ever miss the broadcast world, Dean? Part, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so retirement but, is good. This is, this is fun, and this is a wonderful <laughs> reminder. <laughs> All right. Well, one one last chance to be Dr. Dean for everybody listening to my uh, podcast. If you have to give my constituents one tip on being healthy, what is the advice that you give? Just eat less. Don't 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 play the game of you know eat the carbs. Don't eat the carbs. Eat the protein. Just eat less, and you know something. Enjoy your life. It's really um, that's really critical. It's what it's about because it goes by really quickly. <laughs> And so has this podcast. Uh, Dr. Dean Adele, thank you so much for being my guest. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Take care. So we're going to take a couple of questions in this podcast. The first one comes from Vanessa, who writes that she would love to hear me reflect on how federal funding is likely to shift in terms of dollars for the National Institute for Health, uh, specifically, she's interested in Alzheimer's research. Um, Vanessa writes that her 79-year-old mother lives with Alzheimer's in Marin County and that her family struggles every day uh, with the range of decisions and responsibilities that long-term dementia care presents. So thank you, Vanessa. First, um, I want to tell you that I am very uh, appreciative of caregivers and family members who are struggling with this. I've been having a series of caregiver coffees. I uh, just had one last week in San Rafael, hosted by the Alzheimer's Association. It's a great chance for me to hear firsthand from uh, the folks who are um, experiencing this terrible burden. You know, one good thing about Alzheimer's and related diseases, Parkinson's, you know, they, they cut across party lines. And so I have found that in Congress, it's it's a rare opportunity to actually build some bipartisan support. We haven't been able to convert that into nearly enough action, but in the last Congress, we were able to uh, pass on a strong bipartisan basis the 21st Century Cures Act, which does call for more funding for NIH and the National Science Foundation so that we can support colleges and universities as they prepare professionals who will 
dedicate their careers to this kind of research, and also uh, funding for institutions like our own Buck Institute in Marin County that are doing fantastic cutting-edge work to try to understand Alzheimer's and related diseases and move us closer to a cure. Um, We don't know where President Trump is going to take us on this issue, but uh, historically, health research has been a little safer from budget cuts, and uh, the NIH in particular has been one of those few budget issues that has strong bipartisan support. So let's hope that we can at least maintain uh, the improvements that we've achieved under 21st century cures. Those are annual appropriations that Congress continues to make. So it's not a given that those dollars will actually show up every year and we'll need to continue to advocate for them. But uh, that'll be the focus of my work. And uh, I hope we'll have your support. I know that we'll be working closely with the Alzheimer's Association. Next question comes from Dana. And Dana asks, uh, Uh, She says she's got time and wants to be part of our government. How can constituents like me help you? So thank you for that question. I'm getting that question a lot. Um, I think you saw some of the uh, engagement and interest and motivation that's breaking out all over this country uh, in the wake of the election uh, over the weekend when millions of people participated in marches uh, for women, certainly, but also for a broader set of progressive values and issues. And the, the common thread through all of that is people aren't just sitting around complaining uh, about the outcome of an, of an election. They're stepping up and getting involved and doing things. And that's what I'm going to suggest to you, Dana, and anyone else who wants to do this. Don't assume that you're not a front row participant in your government. I just was a keynote speaker to uh, a naturalization ceremony for 1,200 new citizens last week. And I told them to, uh, even though they're the newest citizens, don't assume that they somehow have to be shy and uh, let others step up in uh, local government decisions and community leadership roles. They are full owners of this country and this democracy, and and so are you. So go to public meetings. Uh, Check out what's going on at all levels of government. If you're interested in local community-type issues, actually show up at the meetings of your city council or your county board of supervisors. And speak out. Let people know where you stand. That includes your state and federal legislators, even your congressmen. Let us know what you think, whether you agree with us or not. And then the other thing is seek out some organizations that you think are doing terrific work on causes that you care about and volunteer or sign up or find a way to get involved with them. That's how you can sort of have strength in numbers and really amplify your voice and make a difference. All right, well, that's all we have time for this time. I hope to see you on our next Off the Cuff podcast. Off the Cuff is produced by Marin's own Tales Untold Media. Our music is also local, provided by Temp Love. Don't miss out on future episodes of Off the Cuff. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Just search for Off the Cup with Jared Huffman. 